You are listening to Stitchwish Radio, a podcast for crafting your own magic and threads. I'm your host, textile artist, author, and teacher, Christy Johnson. Hey there, and welcome back to Stitchwish Radio. So today I want to talk about chromatic vibrations. So color as energy and how we can work with that in our artwork, how we can allow color to influence the way we feel when we are creating a piece, or maybe even try to influence the way others feel when they are viewing a piece. I feel pretty strongly that while there are some general ideas around color and how it influences us, it can be very personal, so we don't necessarily have control over how others feel about viewing colors in our work, but we can tap into how we feel when we're experiencing colors. Before we jump in, I just want to make an announcement that Magic Threads, my three-week embroidery course, is open for enrollment. Magic Threads is a three-week pre-recorded video course with live Q&A sessions that will help you bring your ideas into the physical realm through the art of embroidery. Through the pre-recorded stitch lessons included in this course, I will teach you everything I know about how to use stitches in a variety of ways to create your own inspired designs. And through the weekly live Q&A sessions, you can go ahead and ask me anything that I don't explain in the course already or anything that you're excited to hear about. We'll start off in week one by exploring new ways of finding inspiration, inspiration both within ourselves and in the world around us. We'll then jump into week two, where we start to refine these ideas into a singular form, all the while playing with the different ways in which a single stitch can be expressed and learn all about color and composition to apply this to our final project. We'll wrap all this up by learning all the elements of creating a finished piece, whether that's on a garment or on a standalone work of art. Links to all the materials for the course are sent out weekly on Tuesdays, beginning February 15th. Once you purchase the course, you have access to the course forever, but due to the nature of the live Q&A sessions that are included with the course, it only goes on sale three to four times a year. So you'll need to sign up for Magic Threads by February 15th or wait until summer to take it again. Okay, so back to the episode, back to colors, back to energy, to how we perceive them and what they mean to us. So this is based on a blog post I wrote a few years back, but I started thinking about this idea recently because I had a really strong personal experience where I found myself in extreme pain, like level 10 extreme pain. I knew it was temporary. I knew it would pass, but also this would top the list of most painful experiences I've ever had. And throughout this process, at the height of the pain, my mind just filled with hot pink. Like there were no thoughts. There was nothing. There was just the color hot pink, like vivid neon exploding hot pink. This was somehow both really disturbing and really comforting. But after the pain passed, I started to consider my studies in color therapy and how this hot pink was an expression of red, this fiery excitement, vivid intensity with this touch of blue violet, which is this kind of calming and soothing. It felt like my mind's reaction to try and describe the pain when words just could not apply. That hot pink shade felt so accurate in its depiction of the experience that I just knew I had to revisit this idea and had to talk about it a little more. So at its basis, color is just energy. That's not me coming in with some hippie ideas. That is straight up science. 
I can't even get into how the way different colors are absorbed in different surfaces and our eyes read that. <laughs> I can't get into that without my mind exploding. But even when we consider simple concepts like why is the sky blue? Well, the sky is blue because light travels in waves, and when the sun's light hits all the gases and particles in the air of our atmosphere, it scatters in all directions. Since blue waves are the shortest of the visible spectrum, they scatter more than all other rays. As the sun reaches the horizon, its light has more atmosphere to travel through, so the blue waves start to get scattered even more, and the red and yellow waves are able to get through, and that starts to create what we see as a sunset. I've always been so fascinated by the way that our perception of color is just our brain's interpretation of wavelengths of light. Essentially, what we see is all energy, and different colors have quite literally different vibrations. So in terms of our surroundings and our wardrobes, what we are drawn to is the energetics we feel we need at the moment. While each person's interactions and experiences with each different wavelength might be totally different, there is generally, generally a universal quality to a color. Generally being the operative word here. Red is fiery passion intensity. White is pureness or new beginnings. And blue is calming and spiritual. There's plenty of information of color meanings on the web, but I'd still love to add my two cents on how these colors can be used intentionally to affect our moods, blended with some history on how they have been used historically around the globe, and also with a little bit of details on how I like to use those colors using maybe natural dyes or working with different crystals or stones that I've got around the house. So, oh, and before we get started, a really fun fact. The history of color theory is full of mysticism. The color indigo was added to the spectrum by Isaac Newton because he felt that seven was the most divine number. He didn't feel that six was an appropriate number <laughs> for the colors of the rainbow. I just thought that was so beautiful. So starting off with red. Red like our blood, red like the molten core of the earth. Red roots us in the physical. It's the color of passion. It's also considered the color of bravery and compassion in Buddhism. Associated with the planet Mars, red is a color that inspires action and willpower. It's also considered to be the color of anger and overdoing things. So if that tendency is already excessive in your nature, experiencing a lot of red might exacerbate the situation. Knowing all this, it's no wonder that red undergarments are prevalent in the romantic lingerie category. But you don't need polyester lace in your buns to channel this fiery power. I love red lipstick for channeling that intensity, or even some garnet or carnelian jewelry. In the world of natural dyes, matter root is one of the strongest and longest lasting red dyes. So matter root is a matter, the plant, is just a rambly weed, and the root of it, even when you just dig it up, you see the most intense shade of red. It's really incredible. I highly recommend, if you are interested in natural dyes, growing your own matter root. Though many fruits and flowers are red, the hues of these fruits and flowers are not able to be extracted for use on fabric. They don't last. Matter root, on the other hand, they found scarves in King Tut's tomb that were dyed with matter root and they were still red. Like, it's that strong. So historically, matter root has been used in coming-of-age ceremonies and 
Matter root also happens to be a treatment for the circulatory system in Ayurveda, actively breaking down blockages and stagnation. And our circulatory system is all based in our heart. Very interesting kind of red theme here. Moving on to orange. Still hot like red, but with a little less intensity. Orange is the color of creativity and play. It stimulates new ideas. By blending the active nature of red with the pure joy of yellow, orange becomes a color that can be used when an energetic yet harmonious quality is needed. Most people prefer a warm peach or a deep pumpkin-y coppery shade to a pure bright orange, but I think those can be equally as effective. Associated with the planet Mercury, orange not only stimulates new ideas, but also helps communicate them. It's a popular color for bringing vibrant aliveness to a space, and it's also the color of the harvest, which is essentially the source of our life force. So yellow, my true love, lemony sun, golden goddess, bright light of yellow. I have favorites. I'm going to pick a favorite. My favorite's yellow. It was somehow always the only crayon left in the box after everyone had picked their favorites and being resourceful since a very young age and also being the youngest sibling and getting basically the leftovers for everything. <laughs> I decided I was going to make yellow work. I was going to love yellow. Yellow was going to be my thing. And I kind of never let go of that. I quickly learned that yellow can bring so much joy. I wear it regularly and I even painted my desk yellow once and I added a giant yellow sun to the wall of my studio to help me stimulate some focus in my work. Associated with the sun, yellow brings the bright healing power of this luminary force. Its close relative, the metal gold, is a symbol of wealth and prosperity in our culture due to its rarity as well as the way it catches the light just so. Gold, more than any other metal, just has this way of transferring light into our eyes in a way that we can't even begin to describe. I'm sure someone can. I can't. <laughs> um, I do find brass does a pretty good job of calling it abundance and joy to my day as well. But, you know, if you can get your hands on some gold jewelry, do it. I will not stop you. Some natural dyes that provide yellow are goldenrod and weld, both of which have healing properties. Goldenrod has a variety of uses, including topical healing, and it's actually a remedy for allergies. And weld, which is the botanical name is Resida luteola, uh, is even one of the ingredients in airborne, <laughs> the immunity boosting formula. Most Many, many plants actually can give you a yellow dye. So if you're like trying to get into natural dyes, I mean, try something in your yard. Interestingly enough, the green, which we are getting into in a minute from most plants, does not transfer very well as a dye, but yellow really comes through. So green. Talking about green in the depths of winter feels like I'm calling on a long lost lover. A sign of life, growth, and expansion, green brings in harmony and facilitates a sense of community. The integrative qualities of the natural world becomes a beautiful symbol of a unified body of individuals. In this society, our money is also conveniently green. <laughs> While green magic usually refers to the incorporation of plant power in the natural world, green is also used to draw prosperity. My favorite way of drawing in this feeling of harmony and aliveness is fresh plants. House plants, cut flowers or evergreens and vases. I even painted the tiles in my kitchen green so that I can infuse that feeling into my kitchen, that feeling of aliveness all year round. 
But as I mentioned before, oddly enough, with all that green in nature, there are not really any green natural dyes. There's ways of mixing different dyes to getting a green, but getting a pure green? Chlorophyll has many amazing qualities, none of which are used as a dye for fabric. <laughs> I've seen mango leaves quoted as a source of green dye, and I know that Botanical Colors, uh, the company that sells natural dyes, they have recently done a whole series on how to get green dyes. Um, but I have not been able to test either. Um, I don't live anywhere near mango trees, and I haven't had a minute to check out this um, green dye research on botanical colors. But indigo layered with any number of yellow dyes is one of the best ways to get green, um, unless, you, unless you have a mango tree, in which case, can you, can you do me a favor? <laughs> so speaking of indigo, blue. So calming and peaceful, the hue of oceans and the sky. But interestingly enough, it's a color that doesn't show up in many other places in nature. It's so ubiquitous that many early cultures didn't even have a name for it until much later in human history. Related to the moon, blue is also incorporated when we're in need of accessing intuition, of tapping into the unknown. Blue is a great color for bedrooms as it promotes rest. Um, it can easily be incorporated into a wardrobe. I mean, jeans, indigo, anything blue, give it to me. And blue stones can be worn to access this calming vibration as well. I love the stone kyanite for this. It has these varying tones of like soft, nearly metallic blue, and it's just incredibly soothing. I also love using visualization to fill a room with a blue light if the energy is feeling scattered or discordant. Um, and this, you know, sometimes it's my own fault. It's my own energy that's scattered or discordant. And the way of just imagining a room filled with blue with my eyes closed can really, really help um, sort of calm that energy. Indigo, next up, deeper than the deep blue sea, deeper than you and me. Sorry, I'll never sing again on this podcast. So as mentioned before, indigo was added to the Roy G. Biv, which is the abbreviation for red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Indigo was added to the Roy G. Biv model that Newton developed simply because he found seven to be a more divine number. This deep blue is especially rare in nature outside of sky and sea, and its most popular source is the dye indigo. Funny thing is, though, is the indigo plant is not blue. I think people a lot of the times expect the plant to be blue, but the color of indigo is hidden deep inside. It's a mystery accessible to those who know its secrets. It's associated with accessing psychic powers and communicating with forces not of this world, interestingly enough, which I think very much is reflected in the process of getting natural dyes and getting blue as a natural dye from indigo. It's really... Not an easy process. For anyone who's ever tried it, you know. For anyone who hasn't, I highly suggest you do. It's a really beautiful experience. So violet, purple. Historically, purple is a color of royalty. It's a blend of a calm blue with a passionate red. Purple, to me, is a color of balance and beauty. It is also frequently used in spiritual work. And it is associated with the planet Jupiter. With natural dyes in European history, purple was a color that required mastery to obtain, which is why it was often associated with royalty. They were the only ones who could afford it. When Europeans discovered the logwood tree while colonizing Central and South America, it totally transformed the dye industry because logwood creates this deep, deep, almost black purple. You have all these hues of purple that you're able to achieve. 
and you're now able to obtain it from one plant. And so this caused all sorts of drama within the dye industry. I think even people weren't allowed to use it. It was all this, it was, it was wild. It was very scandalous. But interestingly enough, mauve, which was kind of a shade of purple, was one of the first colors of synthetic dye created. It was accidentally discovered by William Henry Perkins in 1856 when he was attempting to synthesize quinine. And it has caused a whole ruckus of synthetic dye colors to come ever since. Brown. Brown, the deep mysteries of compost and of soil. Brown is all about the earth. It's all about the growth that happens underground, where it's not visible, but it still makes a difference in supporting the self. Brown is also one of the most prevalent colors available when working with natural dyes. So acorns, black walnut holes, pomegranate rinds. Um, one of my favorites is the extract from the acacia tree, but black tea and coffee work just as well to dye things brown. Black and white. So neither black or white are actually colors because they are not specific wavelengths of light, but it feels irresponsible to leave them out of this discussion. White is actually all wavelengths of visible light and black is the absence of light entirely. Both are considered healing in different measures. White is clearing and black is absorbing. So stones like moonstone, howlite, selenite, even opal are some white stones that have cleansing clearing properties and black tourmaline and onyx are thought to absorb negative energies. When working with associations and energies the way that I'm describing them, there's not a whole lot of cold hard facts because our life experiences are so much of a contribution to our reaction to these colors. These are simply my personal associations and someone who maybe had a different experience with yellow, like being forced to use the yellow crayon instead of choosing it, could have a bad reaction to the color. None of this is set in stone. This is just my personal opinions and a collection of information that I've gathered um, from a human with no certifications and no degrees in color theory or healing. <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed this foray into color and energetics, and I hope it's got you thinking about the colors you tend to surround yourself with in your life, or maybe fun new ways of surrounding yourself with colors that you're more interested in. Um, I have a fun little color theory exploration in my Magic Threads course in week two. If you want to learn more about working with developing your own palettes for your embroidered artwork, if you want to learn more about expanding your color knowledge in the realm of embroidery, then be sure to check out Magic Threads. I could brag about the course all day long, I love it so much, but maybe hearing from some previous students might help, like this review from Stacy, who took the course last year. Stacy says, I really needed something to ignite my embroidery practice into a truly creative and expressive act, and the Magic Threads course did exactly that. It took me from stitching other people's patterns to imagining and creating my own, and it unlocked how to create an image in my mind and translate it into thread. Now I can see inspiration everywhere and I can bring my own story to my work as well. So grateful to have found Christy and Magic Threads. Thank you so much, Stacy. Oh, and I love this review from an experienced stitcher. So this is definitely for stitchers of all levels. You should have a basic grasp of embroidery before taking the class, but even if you have a lot of experience, you, you still have a lot to learn from the class. So... This person said, since I already knew how to do all of the stitches in the course, I was worried I wouldn't get as much out of the lessons as a beginning stitcher. However, the sampler exercises, journaling prompts, and the historical examples of many unexpected ways to use these basic stitches has transformed the way I think about designing an embroidery. 
instead of making a, quote, pretty piece, I've gotten a better understanding of the elements and practice of creating an intentional piece infused with personal meaning and magic. Ah, thanks so much. And their abbreviations, KL. I can't tell you their full name because they asked me not to say it. Um, okay. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will be back in a few weeks with the next episode. And thank you for your patience as I get back into the podcast slowly. Um, life has been pretty wild. 2022 has not been very delicate with me. So I have been trying to be as delicate with myself and as delicate with 2022 as I can. Um, so yeah, I'll be back in a couple weeks. Bye.